Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. Our guests today are Chris Coffin and John Larson. They're both senior staff members at the American Farmland Trust. And today we're going to be talking about some of the provisions in the 2018 Farm Bill. And we've touched on farm bills in the past on Go Green Radio, but kind of lightly. So today we're going to do a deeper dive and help all of you and me understand some of the provisions included in the farm bill that will help preserve farmland, that will help us become more environmentally sound in the way that we farm, and some of the important resources that farmers and ranchers need. Um, And I'm really excited to have this deep dive opportunity with Chris and with John and the American Farmland Trust. Welcome to Go Green Radio. Chris, I would love to have you start uh, by sharing with our listeners a little bit about the American Farmland Trust. Tell us who's involved, and what the mission of the organization is. Well, thank you so much for having us on. Um, we are delighted to be joining with you and sharing uh, both about American Farmland Trust, or AFT, as we call ourselves. Um, we're excited that we are very close to the finish line on a farm bill. But let me start with a little bit about who we are and what we do, we are the only national organization that is dedicated specifically to protecting America's farmland and ranch land. Um, And we take a holistic view of what it takes to protect farmland. Our mission is to save the land that sustains us by protecting farmland, supporting environmentally sound farming practices, and keeping farmers on the land. We know that farmland is not, we know that farmland is not farmland without farmers. And we mm-hmm. understand that how farmland and ranch land is managed is really important, both to the bottom line of farmers and ranchers and to our climate and to our environment. Um, we have a national office in Washington, D.C., several regional offices around the country. Many of our staff are farmers or former farmers. Um, We also run a national clearinghouse for information about agricultural land. That's our Farmland Information Center, which we do in collaboration with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. We can talk a little bit more about that later. Um, We have been involved in federal and state policy since our founding in 1980. Um, So we have a long run of uh, work on policy, not just around farmland protection, but around all parts of our mission. Um, And just one last thing, I I always mention that we are a membership organization. We rely on our members to help support our programs and initiatives. And, of course, we always welcome new members. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Chris. And uh, I want to mention that uh, our 
our listeners, if you want to check out the American Farmland Trust website while you're listening to the show, you can open a new tab in your web browser. And if you just Google American Farmland Trust, it'll come right up and you can see some of the resources um, and some of the the information that, that is found there. It's a great website. John Larson, I want to welcome you to Go Green Radio. And I'd like to have you help us understand some of the American Farmland Trust's priorities that are included in the 2018 Farm Bill. And I'd like to begin with the Agricultural Conservation Easement Program. What is the ACEP and how does the Farm Bill address this program? Well, I'd also like to say thank you, Jill, for allowing us to be on and to share with your listeners. The, the ASEP program is the acronym. Um, USDA and, and Congress seems to make a lot of acronyms for us. Um, the Agricultural <laughs> Conservation Easement Program is the only USDA program that really focuses on protecting farm and ranch land. Um, it is a program that has two components. Um, it has both farm and ranch land protection and then also wetlands protection. We focus on the farmland side, which is called the agricultural land easements or ale side of ASEP. Again, I apologize for all the acronyms. <laughs> it, is, it, it is challenging. Um, but we're really excited about what uh, this new farm bill provides for us in that it puts specific uh, funding. It, it, it was a real win for the program to to increase the funding for farm and ranch land protection, and then also uh, some tweaks to the language allow for the program to be much easier for practitioners that that work with private landowners to protect their farm and ranch land to actually implement and utilize the program, but. I would be remiss if I just talked about ASEP and didn't put in context, um, as proud as we are of the gains that we've made in ASEP in this farm bill, um, this is just a very, very small component of this bill. And, and, and when we say farm bill, that, that, you know, that also is kind of a misnomer in relationship to what it really is and how big of a bill this really truly is. It's not just farm. It is a food, farm, nutrition. Um, when, when you think about the food stamps and the supplemental nutrition assistance program, SNAP, that's, that's mm-hmm. the largest component of the Farm Bill. There's also federal forest management. There's agriculture trade. There's research and extension with the land-grant universities. Um, a very important piece of the Farm Bill is crop insurance and the commodity programs that provide that safety net for our farmers and ranchers around the country. Um, the one title, there are, there are numerous titles within the bill, and the one title that we at AFT really focus on is the conservation programs, Title II, as it's uh, found in the bill. Um, and one of those programs within Title II is ASEP. And when you really think about ASEP, it is a tiny, tiny drop in the bucket in the total of the Farm Bill. When we talk about the Farm Bill, the Farm Bill actually authorizes spending of about $80 billion a year. That's a lot of money. When we think about the vast majority of that, though, around 80% of that is spent in the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or food stamps, as they once were called. 
when we talk about the conservation title, that's about six billion of that 80 billion per year. So still significant, but less than 10% of what the total uh, bill is. So when we talk about um, what we're going to do in relationship to protecting wetlands, you know, to take environmental, uh, environmentally sensitive lands out of production, to help pay farmers to implement practices and the infrastructure to improve soil health, manage nutrients like livestock manure, and, and, and a wide array of other environmental concerns, you know, that, that piece is extremely important and one that we're proud of, that we were able to maintain that funding for that conservation title um, at the baseline that was established in the 2014 bill, so no net loss of uh, funds in that title. We did have an increase, though, in the ASIP program of uh, uh, rate at uh, $200 million per year, so up to $450 million a year for protecting our farm and ranch land. But that's just $450 million, which sounds like a big number, but not in the context of $80 billion. So I just wanted to kind of make us think about it as, you know, even though we did a lot of good, it still is a small kind of drop in the bucket, if you will, in relationship to what that total funding is. And then when you think about it, you know, the U.S. is blessed to have over 10% of the world's arable acres and the acres that can grow food in our country. And our Agricultural land, and you'll hear me say this numerous times probably today, is a finite and precious resource. And our research that we've been doing in partnership with a number of folks, specifically with USDA, has shown us that we've lost 31 million acres in just the last 20 years. That's twice the rate that we previously thought had been lost. And so when we think about this um, spending in this farm bill on protection, we're talking about half of 1% of the annual farm bill dollars that are being used to protect our farm and ranch land. That is amazing, and and I'm already learning so much. Thank you for that, John. I mean, this is I'm so excited for this episode for that exact reason. I mean, uh, for a lot of people who are not, you know, involved in the public policy world, particularly as it pertains to agriculture and and what we call the farm bill. This is incredibly enlightening. So thank you for that. And Chris, by the end of this episode, I'm really hoping that our listeners will be much more familiar with the substance of the Farm Bill. And I think we're off to a great start. But there are some concepts that I'd like to help you, you know, explain or have you explain to those of us that that may be new to this. I read in the AFT's press release recently that one of the programmatic changes to ASEP ensures that, quote, experienced partners can use their own easement deed terms and conditions as long as they're consistent with the program's statutory objectives. What does that mean? Well, that is an excellent question, um, and I'm going to have to... I'll try not to get into the weeds too much, but I think it's important for people to understand what this program does, which means stepping back and explaining what an agricultural conservation conservation easement is. Um, mm-hmm. It is a uh, legal tool. It is a deed restriction that a landowner voluntarily puts on his or her land. That can be farmland. That can be ranch land. Um, We're talking about a subset of easements. Easements can be put on a large variety of 
property. We're talking about agricultural conservation easements, so that's a deed restriction that is put, and it's voluntarily put um, uh, by a landowner on his or her or their land. It basically says that the land can't be used for anything other than agriculture, except maybe for some compatible related uses. Um, a conserv- an agricultural conservation easement can be donated, um, so there are tax advantages for doing that, or an easement can be sold. And so the agricultural conservation easement program works with state and local partners who are either land trusts that um, protect agricultural land or state or local farmland protection programs to buy those easements from willing landowners. Um, It's important to realize that an easement in almost all cases is a perpetual restriction so that when an easement is put on property, that it remains in perpetuity. So those easements have to be extremely well-crafted. It has been a science that has come up over the, since easements were first created, that I want to say is maybe 1970s, um, and that we've learned a lot about what easements need to look like. And AFT has been at the forefront of some of that thinking about how you need to put flexibility in that easement so that if a farm changes ownership or if a farmer or rancher needs to change the type of um, thing that they're growing or have a complete change in their business model, that the farm enterprise can uh, continue to evolve uh, while and the easement will allow those practices to evolve with while keeping in place the same um, bottom line, which is to keep the land in agriculture. Right. Um, That's so interesting. And, you know, we've got to take a quick break, but we're going to dive back into that when we come back, because I think this is so important to understand as we grapple with this issue of all of those millions of acres of lost farmland over the last few years. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, but don't go away, folks. We've got so much more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us. And if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guests today are Chris Coffin and John Larson. They represent uh, the American Farmland Trust. They are both senior uh, representatives from that organization. And we're talking about some of the uh, programs and some of the provisions in the 2018 Farm Bill. And Chris, before the break, we were talking about um, easements and how those work. And I want to let you finish your thought on that. So please go ahead. Well, great. Thank you. And what I was saying is just that, you know, the agricultural conservation easements need to be well-crafted. And so the reason why we fought in this Farm Bill um, around what those easement terms and conditions can be is that um, the experts in this are really the partners in this program, the land trusts who protect, who, who know about and protect agricultural land and the state and local farmland protection programs. They're the experts, and we've long felt that they should be the ones because they know how to protect land. They know the conditions in their neck of the woods. Um, they know the challenges that their farmers and ranchers face, that they're the ones who are the experts um, and that we need to have uh, them be the ones working with the landowners, the farmers and the ranchers who are protecting the land on those easement terms so that they're going to work well into the future. Got it. Got it. John, another programmatic change to the ASEP that the American Farmland Trust supports is um, opportunities to permanently protect productive, at-risk agricultural land, regardless of the financial situation of the owner. And I was hoping that you could give us a real-world example of what this programmatic change looks like. Sure, Jill. And this one's pretty easy. Many of the Farm Bill programs limit eligibility based upon the farmer or the rancher's what's called adjusted gross income. And and we agree with this concept when the program is providing a farmer or rancher with some type of subsidy or cost share or, you know, other payment. But when we look at the Agriculture Conservation Easement Program, this program's different. A farmer or rancher isn't getting a subsidy. As Chris just said, he or she is giving up a property right, and that right has value. When you think about it, um, that right and that value is actually established by an appraisal by a certified and, 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 and appraiser that, that really looks at all the criteria to come up with the right value. So... The ASA program is basically buying that right from the landowner. And, and so one of the things that we look at is it doesn't really matter if the owner is a prince or a pauper. It is mm-hmm. the land that we're really talking about. And so what we have advocated for is for there to be an exemption for the ASAP program. And what we were able to get is actually a exemption for the sensitive lands um, to be able to not be under an AGI requirement. And the secretary also has the ability to waive those uh, requirements within the ASAP program. So we really think that's a valuable change in this bill. 
That makes perfect sense. Thank you for helping us uh, gain some clarity there. Chris, uh, why is it advantageous for the Farm Bill to allow, quote, buy, protect, sell, unquote, uh, transactions? What are those and why is that a good thing? Right. So um, let me start with saying that uh, access to affordable farmland is often the biggest hurdle facing a young, new, first-generation farmer. And for many of these farmers, agricultural conservation easements are hugely important because they typically make the land, once it's protected, much more affordable, which is very important for this particularly, for this subset of farmers. Um, Over the past decade, land trusts and more recently even some public programs have started to do these buy, protect, sell projects as a way especially to help younger, new, beginning farmers gain access to land. So let me just walk through what it looks like. A farm or ranch might come up for sale. A young farmer might be really interested in it but can't afford the purchase price of the, of the farm or ranch. In many mm-hmm. places, this is because the purchase price reflects the fact that that land, because it's unprotected, could be developed. So the price is significantly more than what it might be, um, uh, what it would be affordable for, for agriculture. Um, so in this case, a land trust, might step in and buy the property outright from the seller. That land trust, or now some state programs, will protect it with an easement and then sell the protected land to the young farmer at a price that that young or new or beginning farmer can now afford. So it is, um, it is where land trusts and some programs, public programs, are playing a sort of intermediary role to help transition land from one owner to the next. Um, It's been something that has been difficult to do through the program, and so we are thrilled that now the statute says, yes, you can do this kind of project. Got it. Now, John, I'd like for you to help us understand the Regional Conservation Partnership Program and how it helps quantify the environmental outcomes that farmers and ranchers and their partners are achieving on their land. Help us understand that. Sure. So the Regional Conservation Partnership Program, RCPP, another acronym, um, was a new (laughs) program in the 2014 Farm Bill. And it's a partnership-based landscape scale program, meaning that it brings together a lot of groups like AFT to reach a lot of farmers and ranchers across a certain watershed or geographic boundary. So, With it being an innovative program where you already have a lot of partners working together at a scale to achieve certain environmental outcomes, and those same partners can also take some responsibility for measuring the outcomes and sharing all the great things that the farmers and ranchers are doing in that watershed to protect water quality and other um, wildlife uh, habitat and things like that. The tricky part is, is that for the partners, sometimes it's really difficult. They're not necessarily experts in knowing what to measure or even how to measure it, um, using water quality as an example. So what we say is that 
we need to help to identify what are those things and then for um, USDA to, to give guidance within that RCPP program of what are the measurements and the estimates and environmental outcomes that can be created by certain practices. So there are several changes within the RCP this time in the Farm Bill, including that USDA is directed to provide that guidance about what tools and methods are actually out there to measure these outcomes. Um, there's also a new provision in there that will allow for advanced payments to partners to develop baseline measurements so that you have a starting point of implementing practices before and after, which I think is a really valuable piece of the puzzle in helping us to defend and justify why we are doing this program. Mm-hmm. And it's not just it's not just the partners. It's also then um, having the ability to aggregate all that data into a outcome that shows the good work that farmers or ranchers are doing. They, they are the stewards that are entrusted to manage this land, providing them with this opportunity, both from a technical aspect of the guidance and then the financial aspect of the implementation of the practices really kind of brings it all together. That's fantastic. And I know that a lot of our listeners are going to be very excited about that because uh, many of us are pretty geeky about data like that. <laughs> and and being able to be able to track that data, um, getting some baseline data, I mean, that that is really exciting. Um, Chris, talk to us about some of the environmentally sound farming practices that AFT promotes. Uh, AFT has been a long-time champion for farming practices that build soil health. We look at it that it's both valuable economically to the farmer or rancher who is doing that and because it's reducing the environmental impacts of farming. Um, We like to say that we save farmland by the inch as well as by the acre. So in looking at sort of what those farming practices are, we work directly with farmers and we advocate for programs and funding to implement soil health practices that build fertility, soil microbial life, and the organic matter of farm and ranchland soils. Um, We call these, we call these conservation cropping systems. Um, There are several terms that are used, regenerative agriculture or Mm -hmm. carbon farming are some of the other terms used. Um, We think of, uh, in thinking about this and unpacking it a little bit, there are, you know, sort of many different types of management practices, practices around whether to till or not to till. So we encourage conservation tillage where there is minimal or no disturbance to the soil. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're trying to not disturb the soil and the carbon that is in it. Um, We talk about cover cropping, um, where crops are grown not to be harvested, but to serve the purpose of improving soil chemistry um, and to preserve topsoil so it doesn't run off uh, in heavy rains and we build water holding capacity. Um, Cover crops can also help fight pests and improve soil fertility. Um, We also talk about crop rotation um, so that we're not growing the same thing in the same field. Again, that is uh, 
something that reduces pest and disease pressure and improves soil biology. Um, and then also in the sweet is sort of looking to expand perennial crops, and those are crops that stay in the field for more than one year, say three to five years. And again, the advantage is, is that um, the, you are not disturbing the soil. Um, and uh, I don't want to ignore livestock because we do work with livestock farmers of all kinds. We advocate for funding to help manage manure in livestock systems so that it doesn't become uh, a problem for the environment. That is great news, Chris. And I know that many of our listeners who've tuned in to other episodes that we've had in the past on regenerative farming and the importance of of some of those practices will be thrilled to hear that a national organization with the span that the AFT has is working on promoting, you know, these types of practices because um, at some point, points we've seen you know little pockets of farmland you know practicing this on a fairly small scale but to know that you all are promoting this on a larger scale is very exciting we're going to take a quick commercial break but when we come back we have so much more to talk about with john and chris in fact we're going to get into a little bit of climate change talk so don't go away folks there's more go green radio right after this Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us. In case you've just tuned in, I'll catch you up real quick. Our guests today are Chris Coffin and John Larson, uh, both with the American Farmland Trust. And we've been talking about um, not just the 2018 Farm Bill, but some of the programs that are um, embedded in that bill, but also some of the practices and some of the uh, policies and programs that the AFT promotes. And actually, John, I'm really excited to ask you this next question because I saw a press release um, at the end of November that came out of the American Farmland Trust, and your organization announced a renewed commitment to combating climate change. And I'd love for you to share with our listeners how the American Farmland Trust is supporting the U.S. Climate Alliance's Natural and Working Lands Challenge and also the Global Soil Healthy Challenge by California and France. Talk to us about that, please. Sure, Jill. Great question. Um, AFT launched its Farmers Combating Climate Change Initiative back in 2017 to really bring attention to what farmland and ranch land can do in helping to reverse climate change and how to address its impact. Um, The initiative works to protect farmland and promote smart growth, improve soil health by implementing climate-smart agricultural practices. And as Chris just talked about, those environmental uh, climate smart practices are the same ones that we talked about in, that protect water quality and it's just the right thing to do. And so by building support in the farming community and then advancing policy, we hope to really make this uh, initiative part of what people see as being a value to farm and, and ranch land and, instead of a, a conflict with farm and ranch land. Um, as part of the work, we joined the U.S. Climate Alliance, uh, a, bi- a bipartisan commitment of 17 member states to uphold the 2015 Paris Agreement and to build out plans and policies in their individual states to fight climate change and address its impact. So working in partnership with other organizations like the Coalition on Agriculture Greenhouse Gases, American Forests, and others, we're providing technical assistance to state governments on how to draw down carbon from the air and sequester it in the soil through that diverse system um, that Chris was talking about, our conservation cropping systems on farms and ranch land, forests and wetlands, um, anywhere uh, in, in the country. So we're really excited to just having hired a new climate initiative director to lead this work for AFT, and her name is Jennifer Moore Cusera. Um, she is a renowned a renowned soil health expert. She's a researcher, an educator, and a presenter on the the soil's link to carbon sequestration. She brings to AFT her experience as the West Region Soil Health Team Lead for USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service, and she was also the liaison to the USDA Northwest Climate Hub. So, 
we've just become also one of the first U.S. Climate Alliance impact partners and will be assisting the Alliance states in developing effective policies and programs to sequester carbon, reduce, reduce greenhouse gases on agricultural lands while improving farm resiliency and productivity. So, you know, one of our big pieces of research that we're doing right now is called our Farms Under Threat Analysis. And, and if your, your listeners go to the website, they'll be able to find our national release, release on this issue of Farms Under Threat. And part of that is mapping and projects, projections to estimate what the carbon sequestration potential is on agricultural lands. So... Mm-hmm. You know, looking at this uh, across a wide spectrum of uh, how agriculture can be of value in this conversation, um, we really want folks to see that ag is a productive piece of the, the, the solution and not, if done right, part of the problem. And, 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 and we really think that is important. We've done work on looking at the actual um, difference between, and, and this goes right to the heart of protecting farmland. Let's keep it in farmland. Let's protect it. Let's grow the food, feed, fiber, and fuel that we need as a country. And what we found is that if we protect it and not allow it to be converted to a, a, a different land use, we provide about 66 times fewer greenhouse gas emissions per acre than the developed land. Wow. Let, you know, let, let that sink in a little bit. That would yeah. be if we, if we reduced um, the annual conversion of farmland in California by half, we would take almost a million cars off the road. Wow. That's incredible. And, and that's one of the things that you don't hear enter into the conversation very much, especially in California where I live, about development because, you know, there's a housing shortage and, I mean, development is happening so rapidly and, and we are pouring concrete over perfectly farmable land. And it's not just about growing food, though we need to grow food, um, no question, but but that carbon sequestration opportunity um might very well be one of our best chances of not just adapting to climate change, but mitigating it. And so that right. is something that I'd really like to, to watch and have you guys back on to talk about as that study progresses. Chris, I want to fast forward just a little bit because, you know, I think it's so important for uh, our younger generation to see farming as a viable green job, essentially. And I'd like for you to explain some of the provisions of a program called the Beginning Farmer and Rancher Development Program. Can you talk to us about that, please? Um, Absolutely. So um, the great news is that this farm bill that, again, is just a presidential signature away um, from being law, um, adds funding for this really important program and actually um, not just adds funding for it, but makes sure that there is now what is called mandatory funding, meaning that it is much more likely that it will be funded into the future. It also provides um, additional funding for a sort of companion outreach program um, that is focused on veteran and socially disadvantaged um, farmers. 
So let me just say first why we think it's so important because we are at the lowest level of beginning farmers than we have been in 30 years. This is according to the last census of agriculture. Beginning farmers represent less than a quarter of all what are called principal farm operators, so the, the, the people who are managing uh, the top dogs or whatever you want to call them on farms. Um, there has been a 20% drop in beginning farmers. So we have a huge challenge with with providing a training um, for beginners. And that's what this program is all about. It provides the resources for groups who uh, help and are on the front lines in helping beginning farmers. That's getting access to credit, getting access to farmland, which is what we focus on, to training about you know, new business opportunities and market opportunities. So one of the things that we have been working on is a national curriculum around land access. So we're taking it up a step that we're working with the people who work directly with farmers to help really think through what are the tools that we need to get into the hands of those young farmers that are going to help them find land, afford land, whether that's land that they're going to lease or whether it's land that they're going to buy. It also allows us to think about how do you work with the current generation of older farmers to encourage them to transfer uh, land to the younger and next generation. Another thing that we have been doing through this program is, along with many partners, is looking at farm link programs. These are programs that are either run at the state level or by a nonprofit. And in, in New York this year, we just worked with a bunch of partners to expand the New York Farm Link to be statewide. And basically what that's doing is trying to connect young and beginning socially disadvantaged farmers who are having challenges in getting onto land with the farmers and landowners who have the land. So it's helping them find each other, it's helping make those connections, and it's helping to make connections that work over a long time. So this is a hugely important program, and we are just thrilled that Congress recognized um, its importance in growing the new crop of American farmers and ranchers. Fantastic. That is good news. John, I'd like for you to tell us about the Farmers Market and Local Food Pro, uh, Promotion Program. What are some of the initiatives that might qualify for grants under this program? So, again, here is some great uh, Farm Bill news. Um, you know, there are many programs that were in the 2014 bill that were affectionately called the small but mighty programs. And this uh, is one. And this this program, as Chris said, um, uh, with the, the previous program, now has mandatory funding, which means that its future is much more secured than when we were going into the discussion of this new bill. And the same is true with the value-added producer grant program. Um, these two programs are, not, are, are now combined into uh, one program that is known as the Local Agriculture Market Program, or LAMP. And they are extremely important to the smaller and mid-sized farms that are you know, finding profitability in selling direct to consumers 
and or are developing value-added products. And when we think about value-added, it's like thinking about making turkey pot pies from turkeys rather than just selling turkeys or (laughs) having bagged apple slices for school lunches rather than just having apples. And and so this new LAMP program is going to help producers identify new markets and new product opportunities and to focus their business development and training in, in that way. It'll also um, it'll help farmers to meet new food safety re- regulations and requirements, which is really important. So we know that consumers continue to want to know where does their food come from. You know, the source-identified foods and the farm-to-fork mu- movement continue to grow, and this new program really helps to uh, meet that need. That is really exciting. And, you know, we're going to be taking a quick commercial break in a moment, but I want to encourage our listeners once again to open a new tab in your web browser if you're listening to us on your computer and uh, just Google American Farmland Trust. Their website is just a treasure trove of um, all kinds of great resources, educational initiatives. Um, It is so fun to information snack on their website. It's really a good one. So check that out. But don't go away, folks. We've got more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad to have you all with us today. I've so enjoyed talking with Chris Coffin and John Larson from the American Farmland Trust. Um, I'm learning so much, and I'm sure all of you are as well. John, your website for the American Farmland Trust has some pretty startling facts that I'd like to discuss. One of them is that 175 acres of farm and ranch land are lost every hour in the U.S. due to sprawl and development. What are some of the possible solutions to that issue? Well, and, and, and the fact of the matter is that is extremely startling. When you, when you really look at, and I hope your listeners uh, will go to the AFT website at farmland.org and take a look at the findings of this, this research that we're doing in our Farms Under Threat State of America's Farmland Project, you know, we're not only losing farmland at nearly double the rate we previously thought, but we're also losing our most productive farmland. That farmland that is most suitable to grow food and has, and, and to do it in such a way that it has the fewest environmental consequences. And so, you know, this farm bill was a good stop. A, a, a good start in, in getting that funding level increased back up to what it was pre-2014 bill, but it's just a drop in the bucket, as I already said. And so when we think about the ASEP dollars and at the current rate of loss, we'd only be able to pr- protect with that specific program about eight acres for every hundred acres that we lose. So we really at AFT are working on helping to craft an ambitious 21st century agenda to, to really deal and address with this challenge. You know, and some of those near-term solutions that we're proposing include federal tax code changes. We could do more to incentivize the sale and lease of farmland to the next generation of farmers and ranchers, either through tax credits or changes in the capital gains tax or both. And then also, when we see the 116th Congress come in, we'll probably see some kind of an infrastructure bill be, be considered. We need to consider agricultural land as critical infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like? We need to uh, de-incentivize the conversion of our ag land into development projects. There, it, It's not just about creating the next... Uh, other use of Agland. We got to see Agland as no feasible alternative standard that we don't convert it unless there's no alternative. And then, as we've already talked about, Jill, climate change, you know, we need to recognize the huge role that agricultural land can play. It is one of those that is not, uh, you know, just some. Uh, hypothesis or antidote. This is this is real research and real understanding of how soil regenerative practices by farmers and ranchers can have both that environmental benefit, but along with their own bottom line and economic benefit. So certainly a lot more work needs to be done. And as we've already discussed, farming's challenging. And and so, um, you know, when you look at these intensive storms and we look at all the other things. As we helped craft and develop what these uh, values are of farmland, and then to put that into the context of the values it provides to society, I think that we'll see that there will be a willingness, hopefully I think we will see, that folks will support us moving this agenda forward. I hope so, too. And and I'm so glad that we were able to shine a light on this issue um, 
brightly on this episode of, of Go Green Radio, and, and I think we need to continue um, to do so, and I'm so glad that you were able to help us with that today. And Chris, there was another really startling fact on the website that I want you to discuss with us, and that is that 57% of America's farmers are 55 and older and likely to retire in the next two decades. Talk to us about the ramifications of this fact. Yeah, this is another startling um, statistic when you think about it because what it means is that over 40% of the agricultural land in this country, that's 371 million acres, um, are likely to change hands in the next two decades. And it's not only that 371 million acres, it's the billions of dollars in agricultural infrastructure that goes along with those farms and ranches that are likely to change hands. How and to who that those farms and those ranches go to and how that wealth and that land is transferred is going to make a huge impact on agriculture for decades and generations to come. So AFT is very committed to trying to help foster ways that that transition of land and agricultural assets are is transferred to provide new opportunities for um, a new generation of farmers. And in the process, as we do that, the need to grow to help to support this next generation of farmers. Also, in a way that's going to revitalize, not continue to drain our rural communities so that we see this as an as a opportunity to think about opportunities in rural areas. And we also understand that as we do this, that we need to be mindful of the generation of farmers and ranchers who are retiring, um, making it possible that they can remain where they are, that they have uh, an ability to retire. Um, So there are lots of factors in thinking about this transfer, um, and we think about it again holistically of how how do we save the land in the process, how do we keep farmers on the land in the process, and how do we help them um, both foster economic opportunities and um, meet uh, environmental challenges in doing that. Absolutely. Now, your website, farmland.org, has uh, a movement on it called No Farm, No Food. And, John, I'd love for you to tell our listeners how they can get involved with that. Sure, Jill. So, No Farms, No Food was a uh, a, a slogan, a, a movement, if you will, that was created early on in the existence of AFT. Um, it's a green and white bumper sticker that just simply says "No Farm, No Food," and 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 I think it's 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 very um, short, it's very concise, but it's also very easily understood. And and so you know the best and easiest way to really dive into um, what that means is to go to the website and to look at both the archived educational and policy pieces that AFT has been involved in for the last numerous decades, and then and and then also look at the the policy and programmatic information that we're currently working on. You know, as we've talked about this morning, the the climate initiative, our water initiative, our Farms for the Next Generation initiative, our Women for the Land initiative, 
Um, all those things have a connection to those that are out there on the land working in the fields and, 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 and the other aspects of agricultural production to provide us with that safe, um, affordable, and, 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 and very nutritious food supply. And so, you know, I think that uh, if folks would go and take a look at things and just from what they read and what they see... Yep. Um, make make the decision if they want to join the AAC family and, and, and get regularly updated on how each of us can make a real difference. Well, I'm getting my bumper sticker on order today, and I want to thank you, John and Chris, for being with us. Thank you to the American Farmland Trust for all the good work you do. Thanks to our listeners for joining us, and we are going to be here same time, same place, next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.